Chad and Jay Mansbridge here, lead pastors of Bayside Church International, based here on the south coast of South Australia. Our great passion as a church is to help people to know Jesus and to demonstrate His love, truth and life in everything that we do. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Heroes 2.0. I was lucky enough last year to be part of Heroes 1.0, so it's awesome that I'm allowed to come back. Uh, so, so far in this series, we've heard from Chad a few weeks ago um, with Paul and authority on teacher, uh, teaching on authority and how Paul handled it and the lessons we can learn from that. Uh, last week, we heard from Brooke. And yeah, um, shout out to the tech guys. It's awesome that I can be away training and still be able to plug in and catch a message. Great work, guys. And Brooke last week showed us some things we can learn from the life of Deborah. Um, say yes to God. Don't bury your talents. And make sure you point people to God. Um, she had a bit of an action blockbuster from Judges, which will probably make a really good movie one day. So you can read that. <laughs> and you can catch both of those on our media platforms when they're up. This week, I'd like to look at one of the disciples, one of the 12 that saw so much happen in the, in the three years of Jesus' life that the book of John records it this way, right at the end, or John 21, 25. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the book's that would be written. Staggering thought that Jesus did way more than what was written in here. Staggering. So I suppose we should really pay attention to what has been written in here and what was recorded. And most of the stuff that Jesus did is in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Because they're first-hand accounts of the things that Jesus really did, and the people that were involved, and the things and the events. So, a number of these events, Jesus had his disciples with him. And as I mentioned, I'm just going to look at one of them. Just one. You could pick any one of them to be a hero. Matthew records this guy as one of the disciples, and that's in Matthew 10:3. In fact, in that passage, he's referred to as an apostle. In the book of Mark, it's the same account of the 12 and how Jesus appoints them to be apostles and then he gives them authority to drive out demons and to preach. So he's one of those. And then in Luke 16, 6, Luke 6, 12, Jesus shows us that he chose the 12. So this guy was chosen to be one of the 12 around Jesus. In the book of John, we don't find a list like the others. We don't find John recording all the 12. All we find is that Jesus does things and the disciples were there. Sometimes he names the disciples, says this person said this, this person was here. And, but most of the time it just says the disciples were there. So it is the book of John that, are, that contains the things that this particular disciple did or said. So if you'd like to turn with me to John, the book of John, 
start at about chapter 11, then I'll move on from there. And I hope to show you why this disciple is a hero in my eyes and how we can take some things that he did and hopefully just move into this week, move into the next month. I'll be using my trusty NIV and the scriptures will come up on the screen if you want to follow it from there. This disciple was present when Lazarus was raised from the dead. He was there at the Last Supper, the washing of the feet. He was there when Judas was picked out by Jesus and said, you're going to betray me. He was there when Jesus actually told Peter, by the way, buddy, you're going to deny me three times. He was there when Jesus appeared after his death to show him his hands and his side. And he was there when they went fishing after all of that and Jesus called them back to have fish on the beach. So the disciple, apostle that I want to look at is a guy by the name of Didymus. D-I-D-Y-M-U-S. To me, he's the disciple that did some amazing things. He was brave. He was very bold. Catching the chat bug here, brave, bold, and he was a believer. He was the first of the disciples to truly believe who Jesus really was. Most of you are going, Didymus, I don't remember recalling Didymus as a disciple. How about if I told you his name was Thomas? So Thomas the Brave. I'm pretty sure when you just heard Thomas, brave is probably not the word that you first thought of. But Thomas was very, very brave. And he announced it to the other disciples. Then the disciples followed his lead. Let me set the scene for you. It's Matthew, uh, sorry, John 11, 1 through 15. A little bit of scripture, but it's always good to get the background of how everything all plays out. So John 11, 1 through 15. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the love you want is sick. The, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there for two more days. Good call. He then said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews, they tried to stone you, and yet you want to go back? Then he answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by the world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciple replied, Lord, if he sleeps, surely he will just simply get better. 
Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought that he actually meant natural sleep. So then he told them real plain, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Get the picture? Lazarus is sick. Jesus stays where he is for two days. Then he says to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. And their response is, but a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you want to get back there. Jesus goes on to explain that the reason he has to go back is that Lazarus has actually fallen asleep, meaning he's dead, and that Jesus was going to go back to wake him up, to raise him from the dead. He's never done this before, but now he's telling his disciples that that's what I need to do. So let me back up a little bit. How much danger was Jesus and his disciples really in if they actually went back to Judea? Or was this just some disciples being a little bit wussy because they didn't want to go for a walk? But if we flip back, I won't make you go back there, but in, in John 10, verse 31, it gives us an idea on how much danger they really were in. Because it says, again... So it happened before. Again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. And in verse 33, they tell him why he's stoning him. We are stoning you for, not for any good work you did, but for blasphemy because you were mere man claimed to be God. Then later on in verse 39, it says, Again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. Again, again, again. So this has been going on for a while. I think you get the picture. That if they go back there, there is a high chance that they're going to get stoned. And the chances are that the Jews will try to seize them. And it got that bad that Jesus himself and the disciples escaped. So, and now he's asking, Jesus is now asking his disciples to go with him, walk back into the middle of that. And by the way, while I'm there, I'm going to raise the dead. Do you think he's going to get in a little bit of strife? If we skip over and past the raising of Lazarus, we find that the Jewish leaders plot to kill Jesus. And Jesus withdrew from the area. That's in chapter 11, verse 53. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. Therefore, Jesus no longer moved around publicly among the people of Judea. Instead, he withdrew to a region near the wilderness to a village called Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. So I'm thinking that maybe, maybe, just maybe, the disciples had a pretty valid point when they're saying, really, bud, you really want us to go back there, yet our lives are in danger. Then one disciple stands up. Well, I picture that he stands up. They're probably always standing, but he moves. He does something. And he says this. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, which means twin as well, but said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Look at that last bit, that we may go and die with him. 
Thomas says, I am prepared to go with Jesus, knowing the risk, and if it means I will die, so be it. Thomas the brave. He calls all the disciples to go, and if it means death, that's it. Because if you look at that last little bit in just about any translation, it says things like, that we may die, that we may be with him in death, that we can die with him. This is sounding very much like a suicide mission. And the disciples, the words show us that Thomas is pretty sure that this is going to end in death. Do I come up with any other type of translation out of that? Brave man. He gets up, calls the rest of the disciples to go with Jesus, and they're pretty sure he's going to die. They're going to die. I'll ruin the storyline. They don't. Not here, not now, it's not for a while yet. But at that moment in time, he thought, well, you know, it, that's it. There's really only two words you can put down for that. Bravery and courage. That particular moment in time, that hero moment, the old freedom call. We're going to go and do this. Faced with a pretty solid challenge and a group of people around him that weren't that keen on the idea... Thomas showed courage and bravery and went with, the rest, went with Jesus and the rest of the disciples came as well. Um, Jake's not here, but about a month or so ago, maybe a bit longer because we lose track of weeks, he reminded us here in a, early in a, a prayer meeting before the service that it's real easy to read back through these stories and go, yeah, there's the end result. But he sort of challenged us all to go picture yourself slap being in the middle of that. Right there, middle of the biblical story. And imagine that it's playing out in front of you right now. A guy gets up and stands, says, let's go. And if it means we shall die, we will. Bravery, courage. Only two words I can come up with for that moment. Because of Jesus's, uh, Thomas's statement, Thomas's courage and bravery and led the whole, the head led them. Then the disciples went with Jesus. They got to, re, uh, to witness the raising of Lazarus. You can read that story, John 11 through 17 to 34. Who knows what might happen when you are prepared to follow with bravery and courage? What miracles might unfold if you are brave enough to go and take a stand that looks like it's going to all fall over? Who knows? Thomas, a man for that moment, one moment, a brave moment. So Thomas was brave. What about Thomas the bold? The man who asked a very bold question. A very honest question, a very sincere question. And he asked it of Jesus, and we probably, everybody in this room knows the answer. May not know, you probably know this statement. John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. This came because Thomas asked a very bold question. Well, in my mind, it is very bold. In the time and place that, it, that he said it, it was a pretty bold question. 
Let me explain why I think it's very bold. So John 13, 1 through 17, it's about the washing of the disciples' feet. And around verse 7 or 8, thereabouts, we find that Peter has a little bit of a discussion about not just his feet, but his hands and his head as well. Um, 18 through 30, is Jesus predicting who's going to portray him? And in verse 30, we find that Judas leaves. And 31 through 38, we find that Jesus and Peter are having a few things to say. Seems that Peter and Jesus always have a few things to say. Uh, and there's a little bit in here, but I'll just show you the last few bits of what leads up to Thomas being so bold. So, verse 36. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I'm going, you can't follow me, but you will follow me later. Peter asked him, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And then Jesus answered, will you really? Will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Hmm. So Peter asked a question about where they're going to go. And pretty much Jesus tells him later, but before that, you're going to deny me. Remember, so far at the end of this meal, Jesus has gone, Judas, you're out of here. And now he's told Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me. If I'm a disciple there right now, I'm hiding. I am not going to be anywhere near Jesus. I don't want to be the next person to do anything or say anything. Honestly, are you going to? No, I'm not going to be anywhere there. Jesus is going to be something is going to happen. But then Jesus gets up and tells the rest of them, all of them really, while Peter's still trying to figure out what's going on. He go, Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. The last bit. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Didn't Peter just ask the question, Lord, where are you going? And didn't really get an answer. And now Jesus is saying, but you know the way to where I'm going? Did I miss something there? But that's pretty much what's just happened. So, as I just mentioned, just picture yourself. He's just told them all, where are you going? But Peter's just asked that and got that answer. So, I'm not, I'm not going to be asking anything. In John 14.5, we see that Thomas steps up, stands up, does something. And he asks, I'm going to paraphrase it, as I occasionally do. Honestly, we go, mate, I haven't got a clue what you're talking about. Honestly, I really have no idea what you've just said. You're talking about a father's house. You're talking about many rooms. You're talking about all this stuff. I don't know. But I've also just seen the answer that you gave Peter. <laughs> like, the NIV asked it a little bit nicer. Um, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Peter's just asked a similar question, so I think this is a pretty bold question. 
pretty bold. Remember, Judas, gone. Peter, you're going to deny me. And now Thomas gets up and asks this. Jesus gives him this answer. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Being bold enough to ask a question can sometimes get you a very great answer. Bold enough. Um, I mentioned a few times I flew up here, I train automotive apprentices around the state. And when I'm training them and um, I'm finished explaining something and I've got 10, maybe 12 students and I go, all good? Yeah, we're all good. Not a chance in the wide world. <laughs> there is always at least one person in that room that hasn't got it. Imagine you are one of the 12. You game enough to put your hand up and go, um, Jeff, what you've just said, just I've got no idea what you've just said. I've got no concept of what you've just been. That takes boldness. In a group of people to go around with all your friends and you go, I don't get it. This is similar to what Thomas just did. And here's a great lesson from Jesus with this. Thomas asked the question and Jesus didn't repeat word for word what he just said. He said it differently. So if I have students that say, Jeff, I don't, didn't get it, I don't sit there and repeat what I just said. I try to come up with a different way of explaining what, I'm, what I've just said. Because if they didn't get it the first time, they're not going to get it the second time. I think it's very okay to be honest with God and with other people. If you don't get it, if you don't understand, be bold enough and say, I don't get it. I don't understand. Even though, you've got to remember that Thomas, uh, Thomas has just seen um, Judas, betray, like, buddy, you're out of here. Peter, you're going to deny me three times. He was bold enough in the middle of all of that to still go, I don't get it. Can you please explain? <laughs> so Thomas was brave. And Thomas was bold enough to ask a great question. Now, Thomas the believer. Thomas was the believer who led the way for all of us to believe. So let me give you a backstory. Always got to have the backstory about how all this plays out. So in John 20, 1 through 18, Jesus has died, crucified, there's an empty tomb. Mary Magdalene sees Jesus and then tells the disciples what has just happened. Pretty straightforward. So in verse 19, we read, On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Let me back up. The disciples were in a locked room because they feared the Jewish leaders. Was this simply because the Jewish leaders had plotted to kill Jesus and now they had a fairly good idea that the Jewish leaders were going to be after his disciples? So Mary Magdalene comes and tells him, I've seen the Lord. They didn't rush back to the tomb to see what she said was right. They locked themselves in a room. That's the next thing that's recorded because they feared 
the Jews. Their response to Jesus was that they were overjoyed. Be sort of pretty happy if he rocks in and goes, it's me. Um, some of the other versions say they were glad, they were pretty happy. Okay. Now, for some reason, Thomas was not with them that, in that spot. Because verse 24 says, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. No explanation is given to why. Maybe Thomas didn't actually fear the Jewish leaders. Remember, he was the one that said, I'm going to die if I go with you and I die, so be it. Maybe he just went, What's the worst you're going to do to me? I've seen it all, I've seen all this. Who knows? The thing that is recorded is this. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. Let me go back. Mary Magdalene comes to them and says, I've seen the Lord. And the disciples lock themselves in a room. The disciples come to Thomas and say, I've, we've seen the Lord. And what does Thomas do? <laughs> Thomas says, mate, unless I see the nail marks in my hands and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hands where he saw it, I will not believe. Now remember that Jesus came into a locked room and showed the other disciples his hands and his side. Isn't Thomas just simply asking for the same proof? Isn't he simply asking... That isn't all the way through. Jesus has been saying, I'm doing these things so you'll believe, so you'll believe, so you believe, so you believe. Isn't this just Jesus proving to Thomas, I am who I am? Possibly. Now put yourself in Thomas's shoes. Wouldn't you want the same proof with something that sounds so incredible? I think nearly all of us would. We'd probably come up with something along these lines. Yeah, right. You want me to believe that Jesus who was dead on the cross has come out of a tomb and walked into a clocked room and gone, here I am? Honestly? I said, picture yourselves in that position. Quick story to give you a personal story on an idea of what I'm talking about with people wanting proof. Many years ago, um, my right knee was a mess, and it was healed, like that. It took me three or four days to figure out what had really just happened. I had no concept of what had just happened. Whether people actually made the statement, I won't believe it until I see it, it became pretty obvious to, obvious to me, but that's what people were doing. My own doctor. I went back to him, and he goes, well, do something you've never done before. And I said, yeah, okay, I will. I haven't done that for years. He went, Tung. went back to the specialist. Yeah, yeah, I've heard you healed. Okay, I'll do this. And he mucked around with it. Done. People that knew me back then and passed, they may not have said, yeah, yeah, right, until I see you. But that's pretty much what happened. You, most of you here, I don't think there's, there's only a couple of people that knew me way back then. But you go, yeah, okay, well, what's happened? X-rays on this knee, it's a mess. Most doctors look at it and go, but you shouldn't be able to walk around. I oh, know I shouldn't be able to, but I do. So it's proof. I'm sure if I rang you up and said, you're not going to believe this, I'm now three inches taller than what I was before, you'd all go, yeah, right, let's, honestly, let's see this for ourselves. Be honest, that's what you would do. Thomas was honest. 
and genuine as I believe every one of us would want to be. So the story goes on. A week later, his disciples were in a house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. This time Thomas is with them, still with the doors locked, and Jesus came back. Why? I know, I like asking why. (laughs) Does he actually know that at this time, Thomas will be with them? It's not recorded there, but did Thomas go, mate, the next time we get together, Jesus better turn up. If Jesus, Jesus had a whole week to track Thomas down and say, Thomas, mate, it's me. I think that's, he's had a whole week. But the next time they get together in this locked room, Jesus walks in, mate, here I am. Now, the NIV translation of this next verse is unfortunately what Thomas has been remembered for, and in my books, very, very unfairly. Because in verse 27, then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see your hands, reach out your hand, put it into my side, stop doubting and believe. If we read this last section in the King James Version, just the very last bit, it reads, be not faithless, but believe. In the NET, it says, do not continue in your unbelief, but believe. Didn't Jesus spend three years going, I'm doing this so you'll believe, so you'll believe, so you believe, so you believe? And if you look at this word, this word faithless, this word unbelief, it's the word apistos. Yeah, okay, I'll read it in English. It can also mean incredible. In Acts 26, 8, we read this, and it's the same word. Why should any of you consider it apistos, that God raised the dead? Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raised the dead? It's the same word that the NIV translated as doubt. Why? I wonder if they could have translated it. It's the same word. The end of John 20, 27. Could it have been translated as, is this so incredible for you to believe? Now believe it. For years, he's been saying, I'm doing these things so you believe, so you believe, so you believe. What, you think this is so incredible? Here I am. Now look at the response from Jesus, uh, from Thomas. Now remember that the other disciples a week ago in this story went, I'm overjoyed. We're happy. Look at the response from Thomas. He said to them, my Lord and my God. As far as I can read, Thomas was one of the first after the resurrection to fully comprehend who Jesus really was. He was certainly the first of the disciples. A week earlier, they went, oh, we're happy. Thomas sees him and goes, my Lord, my God. That's what he did. Okay, the English, the NIV uses the word doubt. I think it's a really unfair word. 
because it's got too many connotations in our mind. But so many times Jesus said to them, you want to believe? You want to believe? I'm doing these things so you believe. And then when Thomas sees him, he says, my Lord and my God. What an awesome way to respond. Now, then Jesus says, straight after that, when Thomas has said, my Lord and my God, Jesus says this, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those that have not seen and yet have believed. Combine that with the answer Jesus gave to another question Thomas asked, and I think we've got the whole gospel all summed up. John 4, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And then it says, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those that have not seen and yet have believed. And that is every single one of us in this room. I'm taking a guess. Because of Thomas going, my Lord, my God. And then Jesus said, you believe because you saw me. All these other people are going to never see me, but blessed are those. So, G- so Thomas is the believer that led the way for all of us to believe. So what can we learn from Thomas and why he is one of many heroes? Thomas was brave. Be brave and courageous. You never know what miracles might unfold when you are brave enough and courageous enough to step out and go and do something. Hopefully it's never with the threat of death on you. But be brave enough. How about be bold? Thomas was bold. Bold enough to ask a question. It is okay to ask a question. Look at the answer that Jesus gave us. An answer that we all know, but it was because... Thomas was bold enough in the midst of everything else going on. He was bold enough to go, I don't get it, Jesus. Can you please explain it? I think that's okay. I really do. And how about Thomas believed? Put yourself in that position at that moment in time. What an awesome reaction. It's okay to be real. Maybe if you look at the NIV, maybe because it says doubt, Maybe you go, oh, but God, you've got to do something. It's okay. As long as you end up with that reaction, as long as you end up with that belief, as long as you know, you know, you know, you know that it is God. The greatest thing that I believe Thomas should be remembered for is his statement about the revelation of who Jesus is. It says, my Lord and my God. May we all, if we haven't already had that moment... May we all have that moment. Hope you've learned something new about Thomas. And I pray that you take at least one of these things into this week. Thanks and have a great week. I hope you've enjoyed today's message. Remember to check us out at baysidechurch.org.au. And of course, if you're ever in the area, please pop in and say good day.